0: Welcome to the show. When you meet CJ Arlotta, his friendly smile and easygoing personality make it very clear why he had early aspirations of going into politics. After studying political science and criminal justice, CJ worked on political campaigns before finding his way to journalism. Originally covering the tech and healthcare beats, CJ landed at Hotel Business Magazine, where he wrote about hospitality for several years. CJ founded his eponymous public relations firm in the fall of 2019, focusing on B2B communications for technology and hospitality companies. Today, we are going to talk about how sitting on both sides of the interview desk has given him an interesting take on media. But before we jump in, we need to answer the call button. The emergency call button is our hotline for hospitality professionals who have burning marketing questions. If you'd like to submit a question, you can call or text me at 850-404-9630. Today's question was submitted by Addie A. So Addie asks... I am sometimes asked to give interviews or to speak to the press. Even though I'm a pretty confident person, this usually makes me extremely nervous. I'm afraid they're going to ask a question I can't answer or that I'll come out sounding dumb. How can I get over this nervousness? What do you think, CJ? What are the tips that you give your clients?
1: I think number one is just being confident. I think a lot of people get worried when they're speaking to the press that they're going to mess up or say something that they shouldn't. Um, but always remember at the end of the day, you know they're asking you these questions because you're the expert, you're the professional. So they want to know more from you. So it's really just kind of getting over those initial nerves and reminding yourself, you know your stuff, you've rehearsed it, you're prepared. You've been in, you know, the industry for a set number of years, right? So it's really just getting that confidence to sit down with members of the press um, and answering those questions. One of the best ways, I think, really to enhance your speaking capabilities when speaking with the press is to really, if you ahead of time, if you can grab questions from the reporter, that sometimes helps, right? So that eases uh, your mind a little bit. There, I think, also, you know, writing things out. You know, if you have the answers ahead of time, uh, writing things out, reading them over, thinking about some of what you're going to talk about in your head ahead of time. I wouldn't suggest, you know, writing out every single word, but, you know, putting out some talking points definitely helps when you're sitting down with a, a member of the press.
0: I totally agree. That preparation thing is how I, I I don't typically get nervous when I'm speaking, but I do want to feel extra confident. So mm-hmm. the more I prepare, the the better that I feel. You know, I think the other thing, just from a purely practical perspective, is to remember to talk a little bit more slowly than feels natural. Sure because that makes you sound a little bit more like you know what you're doing and a little less like a rushed conversation that you really feel like you have to get everything out super quick because you're nervous as can be.
1: Right. Are you trying to tell me something? I'm a I'm a New Yorker, so I talk uh, pretty quickly naturally, right? No, so it's something I have to always all. remind myself as well. And I I tell people the same thing, and that's that's some great advice. And sometimes you may feel like you're talking really slow, but it sounds fine. It sounds normal. So don't worry about it.
0: I agree. I think you what sounds slow to you sounds normal to the listener. So that's good
1: <laughs> yes. news. Yes, absolutely.
0: So CJ, when you envisioned a career in politics... What kinds of jobs or what kind of office did you see yourself holding? Were you thinking you wanted to work behind the scenes or did you picture yourself sort of standing on a stump making speeches?
1: <laughs> well, I think, you know, I initially got involved because I was interested in politics and wanted to learn more about uh, working with campaigns and working with elected officials. And uh, my younger self at some point wanted to. Run for office. Want to be that guy. I wanted to be the one making speeches in the legislature. and uh, what
0: and office? Did you want to be like uh, mayor or this go to, for the Senate or president? Yeah. All of the above?
1: Um I think I wanted to stay in the legislature, if anything. Uh, I always found that fun. i I worked in the legislature for a couple of elected officials in the New York State Senate. And uh I always I always like that. I like the uh you know you have one side you know kind of against the other side as well and you're trying to get bills passed and there's a, there's a debate and I really enjoy all, all of that. Um so that was definitely something I had at one point when I was uh younger but I don't think I have that so much anymore. Um interest in that. I mean who knows? You know, I never like to uh to to close uh close any doors in that way but We'll see.
0: I think that I just broke some news, everyone. CJ Arlotta <laughs> is running for the state Senate. Just no, kidding. No. <laughs> but we'll save this audio and we can use it in your campaign in 10 years from now.
1: That's so, right.
0: What prompted the transition from politics, public service, government into journalism?
1: I just wanted something different. And I was trying to look at my skill set and... um I really worked on my uh, journalism skills and writing skills, communication skills uh, in college, and I started getting really good at that. And so you know, when I worked for elected officials, I worked in communications, you know helping write press releases, speeches, talking points, things like that, social media and um I just wanted something different, and I just you know I was doing some freelance work at the time. I was doing it in college too, and there was a, an open opportunity for a full time job. It was remote, so I was working remote before it was cool, <laughs> and uh, I just you know ended up taking it.
0: From your journalism days, do you, what are a few of your favorite clips? Like, what's the most exciting piece of news that you got to break, or some of the most interesting interviews that you've conducted?
1: That's hard to say. I mean, I, I really enjoy. Speaking with people, right? So um, I've, you know, really enjoyed all the conversations I've had. I mean, I I, I wrote a, a huge piece when I was at hotel business on Hilton, and I got to interview Chris Setta oh, cool. and uh, a lot of members from their executive committee. So that was a really big piece that I enjoyed doing, um, and um, you know, that's just from my my journalism days, but. You know, for my podcast um that I used to do, um, I I've interviewed, you know, governors, um, Eric Adams, who's now the the mayor of New York City. I got to interview him um before he was elected. So that oh, that's was interesting. Cool. Yeah. He was actually a senator when I was there in in, in the uh, in the Senate. So it was interesting to see uh so where he's at now. Um, but I really just I enjoy the conversations I have. All the interviews are different. And so I don't know if I could pick a particular one. But I think the uh, that Hilton story at Holton Business was a big one for me.
0: One of your greatest hits. Yes. Can you talk a little bit about the decision-making process that led to starting your own company? I love to talk to entrepreneurs. I am an entrepreneur. And I always ask if you ever see yourself working for someone else again, or are you never going back?
1: <laughs> yeah so i just remember at one of my earlier jobs just kind of sitting at a cubicle and i remember just staring at the clock on the phone and it read three seventeen, 17 and just thinking in my head that i don't know if i could do this for the rest <laughs> of my life <laughs> you know what i mean just just watch just sitting, the clock just watching the clock waiting until five o'clock you know um and so I, I knew I had to do something. And you know, when you start thinking about back about, um, at all the things that you enjoy in life, and you kind of put the pieces of the puzzle together and what you like about them, it kind of made sense to branch out and, you know, do my own business. I started looking at my skill sets instead of a, a particular skill. It's also funny, I used to play a lot of poker when I was younger. And I I always was interested in why I enjoyed playing poker. It had nothing to do, looking back on it, it had nothing to do with the gambling of it, right? I, I don't I don't go to casinos and play craps or roulette or any of those games. I mean, I do occasionally, but you know, um, not not so often. I don't really enjoy it. I know I'm gonna lose my money. Um I don't play the lottery or anything like that. So what did I enjoy about poker? and i really enjoyed um you know being able to play with other players you know reading the people um i enjoyed the ups and downs of the money i enjoyed some of that flexibility it was something different than what everybody else was doing it was outside that 9 to 5 job and now you know owning my own business it feels like you're you're working 24/7 now uh, <laughs> but uh you know you look back at all those things and and you know taking that route going and starting your own business just made the most sense for me and so it's something that i'm really enjoying would i go back uh to working for somebody potentially i like what i'm doing right now i'm grateful for it things are going extremely well for me and hopefully they continue but you know you never know especially we all saw what happened uh, during the pandemic and overnight things can change pretty uh pretty quickly so i would like to continue Uh, running my own business and maybe potentially some future businesses in the day. But we'll see.
0: Understood. How do you handle it when your interview subject isn't very communicative or very forthcoming? Has anyone ever gotten mad at you for asking a question or gone off the rails, acted like a crazy person? I really want you to dish (laughs) some dirt and I know you're too good to do that. But at least tell me some tips.
1: Yeah, I don't think I've ever had that experience, luckily. Uh, But I think sometimes people just need to warm up during interviews. And I'm sure you know just from doing so many of these that I always tell my clients, even when I interview them for various reasons, maybe I'm just trying to grab some content from them. You always realize that probably the first 15 minutes isn't the good stuff. When you just keep interviewing and talking with them and diving in and kind of taking them off different those different questions that maybe they weren't you know those questions they weren't expecting you start really getting to the meat of that conversation and you start pulling everything out things that you want to use or things that you find interesting and you really see the person you're interviewing open up and see what they are interested in talking about and it's kind of just it's leading them that way to open up and provide you those things that they don't normally provide with interviews with other people I also think it's important for you to, if you if possible, listen to other interviews they've done um, you know, with other other reporters or or read other stories and pull some of that out as well. I think you can really tell just by reading a story or listening to interviews, figuring out what those individuals are interested in speaking about.
0: I love that idea. I like to listen to other interviews people have given, also because I don't want to ask them the same thing that they've been asked a hundred times. That they're probably right. sick of, like, "Yes, I did that. It was boring." You know what I
1: mean? That's when it comes to robotic, you know.
0: Exactly. I want there yeah. to be some sort of in the moment conversation versus just, "And then I did this, and then I did that."
1: Right. Right. I agree.
0: Because you were a journalist, I can imagine that you came into your company, into starting your business with some very clear ideas of how you would operate. I guess, how has your experience as a reporter impacted or informed the business model of your company now? Does it have an impact at all? Does it change how you prep your clients? Did you come into it like, I'm going to do this differently than what I've seen before? That kind of thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um I think that's one of the things that uh I enjoy doing and taking it from that that journalist perspective. It's really I tell people I tell my clients all the time it's it's about us being a resource to the journalist. Right? It's important for us obviously to get our messaging out there. Uh of course we want to get that press release out there and get that cover story, but sometimes it's about working with the reporter to see and assess their needs, checking in with them. What are they what are they working on? What do they need from us? You know, and, and that's something that I'm doing every single day, checking in with reporters. Uh, even if there's a story they're working on, maybe I don't have a client on that particular topic, but I know somebody who uh, may work for that particular topic, so I'll connect with them. And um, you know, just ha- having been in the industry, moderating panels sometimes i run across people who would be a, a great source for reporters so i think you know really becoming that resource for the reporter is so important it's also important to understand that reporters are busy they're busy people mm-hmm. that's what they they're they're busy writing stories conducting interviews transcribing those interviews they're on deadline they're not always going to get back to you right away um I try not to bother them too often about a pitch that I send over. (laughs) Follow-up is needed. (laughs) Um, But um, it's taking some of those things into account and really putting yourself in the mind of the journalists and figuring out what those needs are. And and lastly, I'd say they are very... Like I said before, they're very uh, busy people. And so if there's anything you can do to make their lives easier... It would benefit you and your client greatly, and the reporter, right? I talk about often um, kind of packaging together a story and putting a little uh, a ribbon on top of it, right? So sometimes, if you know that there's a particular, at hotel business, for example, we um, we have a market watch. It's called, and it, you know, we cover we cover a specific market. And I knew, you know, from having done that story, you really need a, a source. You, you need an analyst, and potentially, you know, an, another source of a, let's say, a tourism agency, right? So, if I'm pitching that story, I try to find all those elements. Even though maybe one of those sources is my client, the other two, I'll reach out to. I'll reach out to an analyst and say, "Hey, do you have any data on this particular market? Do you have somebody who's interested in speaking about this topic? If I can land this story." And then I'll reach out and do the work, legwork myself. And I find that is really, um, you know, it's beneficial to the reporter and to everybody involved.
0: That makes a lot of sense. You work with clients that are in two different verticals, both technology and hospitality. What overlaps are there? Are there any overlaps? What can tech learn from hospitality? What can hospitality learn from tech?
1: Uh, yeah, the the huge overlap I think is every industry is the the labor shortage, right? So I think both industries right now are are um in need of top quality talent. Um, so I think that's the probably the biggest you know overlap between the two. It was interesting during the early stages of the pandemic. I have clients on both sides of the portfolio, and we all know what happened in the hospitality industry. So it felt like everything on you know, the hospitality side of my portfolio was kind of paused, right? Nobody knew really what was going on. But the tech space did really well. So um, they did really well just helping businesses work remotely, setting up other software and making all that happen on on their end. So you know they both have you know a lot of differences, a lot of similarities. Um, and uh, we definitely saw that during the uh, pandemic.
0: Let's take a quick break here and then we'll talk some more. My guest is CJ Arlotta, and we'll continue the conversation in just a minute. Top Floor is sponsored in part by the 33rd Hunter Hotel Investment Conference. Taking place March 22nd through 24th at the Atlanta Marriott Marquis, Hunter brings together the hotel industry's most influential leaders and investors for networking opportunities and insightful sessions on hospitality trends. Deals are built on meaningful relationships, and Hunter is where deals get done. For more information, visit hunterconference.com. And now, back to the show as you know, we like to make sure that our listeners come away from every episode of Top Floor with a couple of really specific, practical tips to try in their businesses. If I'm a business owner trying to get press coverage, where do I start? What are a couple of top tips you would offer? And we'll go ahead and assume that the first tip would be to call you. So besides (laughs) calling you, what are the things that I should do?
1: Thanks for that shout out. I really appreciate that. (laughs) I think it goes back to what I was talking about before that you want to be a resource to the reporters you're working with. So it's about building relationships. That's kind of the long-term play. You want to build relationships with these reporters, go through the trade publications, look through the mass heads, go online, see who the journalists are, try to build relationships with them if if you don't have those relationships already. Because that's where there's there's value right i mean you you know you and i are both in the industry and we all have access to the same contacts right we can pull through databases we can pull email addresses phone numbers off a website we all can do that we all have the same connections but it's really those relationships that are key and where you see the the most value so you always have to work on them like i said earlier reach out to the reporters see what they're working on and be helpful to them that's kind of like the long term play right short term it really is learning about the publications in your particular industry learning about what's being talked about learn what you know would be of interest to the audience pitch where it makes sense Right? Don't pitch to a publication that doesn't cover a particular topic or don't pitch to a reporter who doesn't cover a particular topic. So I think those are some of the the top tips I would provide um, to anybody who's looking to you know reach out and, and get more press coverage. It's just really about being a resource and knowing who to contact. And if you don't, like you said earlier, feel free to reach out to me and I'd be more than <laughs>
0: shameless plug full full circle right that was great okay what are some of the biggest (laughs) mistakes that you see companies make when they're dealing with the media
1: so like i said before i mean pitching where you're you shouldn't be pitching the reporters um making sure that the reporters cover that particular beat or area or that publication we all have done it before i still do it from time to time if i'm pitching outside the industry. So really pay attention to those reporters and get to know um, what they're working on. Provide value. So many times I've received press releases from companies I'm not familiar with, PR firms I'm not familiar with. And I didn't really care if you were from some of the largest PR firms in the country or the world. It didn't matter to me. You know, I, I wanted to make sure that the the pitch was relevant. Uh, I wanted to have that connection with somebody. I mean, so many times I worked with people like myself in the industry, the PR consultants. Maybe they're a one man shop because I knew them. I knew their I knew the relationships that they had. I've built a relationship with them. Um, so it's really you know when you're when you're out there and, and pitching to reporters, you know, uh, avoid bombarding them their inboxes every single day with that particular press release as well. And I think. Going off with of the press release comment—that's um, always to me, you know—that's basic media relations, sending out press releases, right? We all do it, and um, you know, obviously, I do it with my clients too. And it's a great way to get into the the news. Um, but always try to see how you can help. It goes back to that resource. Don't be in it for yourself. Don't be in it for your client. You have to provide value to them. So I think you know those are some of the mistakes I've seen. It kind of really goes back full circle what I've been talking about. Those same those same uh, few areas.
0: This is a really hard question I'm about to ask you. But if you can answer it, I think that you and I need to set up a little investment fund on the side here. So what do you see as the future of B2B media and hospitality? Like if you owned a trade publication right now, what would you invest in or what moves would you be making to prepare for the next 5 years?
1: So I have a couple of thoughts on that, but I'm going to say something that maybe you're not going to expect. I would say people, I, I would say publications need to invest in their talent, invest in their their journalists, right? Um, I think that obviously the labor shortage is real everywhere, especially when it comes to when it comes to journalism. And I think you have to really provide Resources to your journalists—they're um, really tied down with you know they're bombarded with so much work. Um, whether it's you know some of the publications, especially in the industry, they have print and digital, and then they're doing video. So there are so many different skills they need, and some of the ways you can you can help them is is by helping them you know advance their skills in those those various areas because it's going to going to benefit everybody. So can you send them to? different classes if it's a video class or a content creation class or maybe it's maybe it is a journalism journalism class there's a whole set of skills out there that journalists need now and I think the publications really uh, not just in our industry just mm-hmm. you know publications in general uh, investing in uh, those those skills because you are going to get a return on that. Um, at at some point. And it keeps the journalists going. They're not just doing the same thing day in, day out. They're learning more. They're advancing. They're becoming more and more interested in in what they're doing. And you're going to see value in that down the road.
0: That makes a lot of sense. It was not what I expected to hear. (laughs) I am going to require that you continue to gaze into your crystal ball and tell me one prediction that you have for the future of hotels. Any area, anything at all. One prediction.
1: I think that we are going to see more personalization. Obviously, that's something we've been seeing in the industry for a while now. But I think it's just going to... We're gonna see it evolve into different areas. It doesn't just have to be in the guest room. We're seeing that already right. Um you know, being able to watch what you wanna watch, whether it's on Netflix or Hulu or subscription services right, or music or at the mini bar what you like to eat or what you like to drink. There's so much data out there that I think the properties and the brands that they're collecting on guests that they can use down the road. so it's either in the guest it could uh, the the guest room it could be. Um, before uh, a guest arrives. It could be how a guest uh, pays. You know, I think we're going to see more properties starting to accept cryptocurrencies, for example, too. So that's another example of, of that personalization. So I think we're going to... In the future, we're going to see more and more of that in ways that we're really not used to.
0: Interesting. What about you? What's next for you? And what's next for your company?
1: So we're doing really, really well already this year. I mean, we added two clients to um our roster already and uh, and it's only February, so trying to keep the momentum going, I would like to continue to grow the the team I have. Um, I work with uh, a few freelancers uh, that help me out, especially on the tech side where we have uh, a lot of content writing that we do. Uh, so they help me out. So I'll probably be working with some more uh, in the future. Um, and really getting out there and you know getting our clients in the news, helping them grow, increasing brand awareness, and really doing what we can do to bring different aspects of the industry together. And you know, getting out there and, and meeting with people. I enjoy that. I enjoy going to conferences. Uh, I enjoy moderating panels as well. That's always a good time. So I think there are a lot of things ahead for the company and, uh, and for the industry as well.
0: Hey, real quick. Every hotel person has that story. You know the one. The story that drops people's jaws and makes people cry laughing. Our business is the perfect breeding ground for crazy, hilarious, outrageous tales. And it's time to tell yours. Please join me at the Hunter Conference, March 22nd through 24th at the Atlanta Marriott Marquis, where I will be hosting Loading Dock Live. You'll have the opportunity to record your best Loading Dock story for a future episode of Top Floor. For more information about Hunter, visit hunterconference.com. And for more information about how to sign up for Loading Live, visit topfloorpodcast.com forward slash doc. Going down. Okay, folks, before we tell CJ goodbye, we are going to head down to the Loading Dock where all of the best stories get told. CJ, what is a story you would only tell me on the loading dock?
1: Okay, so I've told this story elsewhere, so it's kind of cheating. But I think it's relevant and interesting. And it happened on the way home from a hospitality conference. So I'm going to tell it and people have heard it before and they're going to laugh. Um, so I'm a big Rob Thomas fan, Matchbox 20, one of my favorite bands, I've always um, enjoyed listening to them You know, when I was younger and, and still do. And so, I went to I think it was a Choice Hotels conference, and they had him there. And um, somebody heard that I was a big Rob Thomas fan, and uh, asked me if I wanted to do kind of a meet and greet, right?
0: Ooh, that's exciting!
1: Yeah, so I was like, oh, great, of course, you know, whatever. Sounds sounds fantastic. I'm in. And so they got me in, and you know, I was with a bunch of other people online waiting to to meet Rob Thomas, and so. I met him, and it was a quick, you know, hey, how's it going? Let's take a picture. What's your name? And and uh, probably all of maybe a minute, right? <laughs> so I, I I got my picture, and it was, you know it was, it was fantastic. It was a great experience, and I was telling my my colleagues about the whole thing, and it became it became this you know this whole joke, right? The whole trip that you know I got to meet Rob Thomas, and I had this picture, and you know, so the following day we're heading back to New York. And I get on the plane, and and one of my colleagues was in front of me, already sat down, and I got on, and a colleague was was behind me. So I get on the plane, and I kind of just glance over to my to my right at um, the window, and I see this guy in a in a hat and a and a jacket. I'm like, that looked like that look like Rob Thomas. And so I, I start like, walking back, and so it happened so quickly, right? I didn't really notice, and so I text my colleague. I go, hey. Uh, I think you'll never guess who's on this plane. And she makes a joke. She goes, ha ha who Rob Thomas. I go, no, I really think Rob Thomas is on this plane. (laughs) So, So she gets on and I get the text and she's like, that's Rob Thomas. And so we're like, wow, we're on the same plane as Rob Thomas. This is interesting. So of course, what do we do when the plane lands? We all rushed to get off and we rushed to baggage claim. Did right? chase hoping, him. <laughs> hoping to, to run bump into him like we didn't see him. Like, like oh, your Bob, old
0: pals now. You know, what's
1: going on? So one of my colleagues, uh, he got all the way ahead of me. And um, I, I go down baggage claim, go down the escalator. And I already see him talking with Rob Thomas. And I'm like, oh, this is hysterical. So they're having a conversation. and uh, <laughs> and I, And I walk over. And my um, colleague goes, "Oh, hey, this is." And Rob goes, "Oh yeah, CJ, I met him. I met him last night." I go, "Rob, Rob Thomas for remembering my name." Stop right? it! <laughs> it became this like running joke, and he was he was really cool, really nice guy, which I was happy about because that's like the worst thing in the world, right? You're you're young young person, and you you idolize somebody, and then they turn out to be you know a terrible individual. But he was really cool, really laid back. Enjoyed uh, speaking with us. I think he was working on an album at the time, and he actually asked my colleague. He's like, "Hey, do you want to do you want to hear some of the tracks I'm listening to?" So he oh, was. Wow. It was it was a pretty cool experience. So um, I know that's something that. Uh, Maybe people have heard before, but I just thought it was a really interesting story to share with your listeners.
0: I love it. And I haven't heard it before. So there you go. Good. I'm so great. glad you had such a nice brush with fame. <laughs> CJ Arlotta, thank you so much for being here. I know that our listeners got some great tips and I really appreciate you riding up to the top floor.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thanks so much for listening. You can find the show notes for today's episode at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 24. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen.
1: Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode.